0: God truly has blessed us with another beautiful, wonderful Lord's Day, and we're thankful for the time to worship Him together today. Several of our folks are out visiting and out of town in illness right now, but we have many visitors among us, and we're glad all of you are here. We were surprised to find our dear friends Larry and Diane Dean with us today. We met Larry and Diane, it's been 49 years ago, when we came back to Chattanooga from Memphis. And they have been dear friends of ours ever since. They've moved a lot of places across the country. They now live in Atlanta. But we get together several times a year. It's so good to see Larry and I and our faithful friends with us today. And what an appropriate occasion for you being here because we're talking about the friend of God today. How wonderful it is to have friends. A friend is a companion. A friend is someone with whom you have a lot of things in common. You share your thoughts and your ideas and your hopes, your dreams, your feelings. You spend a lot of time together and you enjoy one another's company. How wonderful that is. In the Old Testament, we see a lot of men and women called the patriarchs who are truly friends of God. This morning, I want us to focus on one in particular as we talk about our lesson of being a friend of God. The man by the name of Abraham. Three times in the Bible, he is referred to as the friend of God. In Second Chronicles chapter 20... In Isaiah chapter 41, I want to read with you from James chapter 2, verse number 23. James chapter 2, verse number 23. There James says, and the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Can you think of a better title than that for anyone in all the world? I don't think you can. To being a friend of God. This morning we're going to be looking at Abraham. Three times in the Bible we've said he was called a friend of God. That was one we read there. And I want you to study with me in the Bible. First of all, if you will mark two places in your Bible. We're going to be looking in Genesis chapter 12. We'll be looking at some other places, but mark Genesis chapter 12. And also mark with me Hebrews in the New Testament, chapter 11, Hebrews, chapter 11, be going back and forth between some passages in in Genesis and Hebrews. And as we study these thoughts about Abraham today, I want us to move those over into our lives. We can be like Abraham, friends of God. Number one, Abraham was a friend of a God because of his faith. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. First book of the Bible, Genesis. Look in chapter 12, verse number 1. He's called at this time Abram. His later name will later be changed to Abraham. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. God told Abraham to leave his home where he had been all of his life. In that area, He said, I'm going to take you somewhere where you don't know. Abraham was willingly able to go with God. Again, he was 75 years old. He'd already lived a long life. But as we read throughout all the rest of the Bible, we find in Genesis chapter 25, verse number 7, he lived to be 185 years old. God says in verse 1 here, Get thee out of thy country. Literally, go for thyself. It doesn't matter what everyone else is going to do. You are going to follow me, and you're going to get out of your country. Even if you have to go alone, you will go. A great lesson for us today. The mob mentality that we have today doesn't rule very well, does it? It doesn't work very well. When we walk by faith, oftentimes we walk alone. But because of our trust in God, we're willing to do just that. And the key word here, I think, is obedience because of his faith. Look there in verse number four. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. The Lord said, all right, get out of this country and go to a place where I'm going to tell you. Abraham could have thought of all kinds of reasons and excuses why he didn't want to go. But he believed in God. So he packed up his family, went not knowing where he was going to go. He acted by faith on a journey to the unknown. He did not know where he was going. For us today, the key thought in our faith is our obedience. Saving faith has always been acting faith. No one could uh, Abraham could stay right there and say, God, I'm still going to believe in you. But he wouldn't be following the will of God, would he? God told him by faith to go to a different place. And he was willing to go. That's why the Bible tells us in James chapter 2, verse number 24, that faith, James 2, verse 17, faith without works is dead, being alone. With that in mind, let me ask you this question. How could anyone be saved by faith only? According to God's Word, that's impossible, isn't it? Abraham faithfully obeyed the Word of God to reach the promised land. We all understand that. Look with me in your New Testament to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start reading in verse number 8. Hebrews 11, verse number 8. This, of course, is a chapter you know as Faith Hall of Fame. Many famous people mentioned here who were faithful to God. Verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, notice, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and ruler is God. 1,900 years after Abraham had made that journey, the writer of Hebrews acknowledges the lifelong journey of faithful Abraham. Turn back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 16. Eight sixteen. Again, a lot of verses in, in Genesis and Hebrews today. I'm sorry chapter 11, verse 16, Hebrews 11:16. Still talking about Abraham, but now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly country, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city, just as surely as God had prepared the city for Abraham to go to. So for us today, as his faithful followers, he has prepared for us a city where which we can dwell forever. How wonderful that is. Now go back to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. We have got a lot of scriptures today. Abraham is no longer 85 years old. He's 125 years old now. 22, verse number 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, that means to test, if you have the English Standard Version, to test Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. Abraham, again, is 125 years old. His son Isaac is about 25 years old. And God wants to test his faith. Verse number 2. And he said, Take thou thine, thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. And remember, he was the son of promise. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. How great a test was this? Abraham's only son, the son whom God had promised to him. And so interesting about Isaac, When you open the New Testament to the very first book in the first chapter, uh, Matthew chapter one, verses one and two say the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And the next verse says, Abraham begat Isaac. If God had taken Isaac's life, there would be no more 42 generations down to Jesus. It would have stopped right there. Abraham could not figure that out in his finite mind. But he obeyed. God, God put him to the test and he followed through on that test. Verse number three, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went up to the place of which God had told him. Now, notice very carefully verse number three. He went up early in the morning. Well, I'll put it off as long as I can. No, he followed the will of God implicitly. Let's get an early start so that I can make sure I do the will of God. And in verse number four, then on the third day, took him a long time. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, verse five, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad, that's his son, Isaac. We'll go yonder and worship. And where do you find these next words? And come again to you. God says, take your son and offer him as an offering to me, just as you would the lamb. Take his life, let his blood be shed. Abraham thinks, that's the son of promise. How's God going to do all of that? And yet he never wavered in his faith. He faithfully obeyed the Word of God. I can't imagine how he could do that. And yet he did. He allows himself to be proved and shows. He would do whatever God would tell him to do in his life. He realized that God had given Isaac to him... And Sarah, when they were gone to childbearing years. And he thought, surely if God can do that, He can surely restore Isaac back to his life again. Isn't that so wonderful? Look in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 now. Hebrews 11, verse 17. In Faith Hall of Fame, he is remembered for this very deed. Hebrews 11, verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh Uh-huh. Exactly what Jesus did at Calvary by God's design. Of whom it is said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting, Abraham, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. You see, Abraham's faith in God. Point number two in our lesson this morning. Abraham was a friend of God because of his devotion to the will of God. Go back with me now to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, another beautiful example in Abraham's life. Genesis chapter twelve. Looking with me in verse number 7. seven, twelve seven, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who had appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain to the east side of Bethel, which means house of, house of God in the Hebrew language, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. God's command was now to go to this land of promise. Again, he was already an old man. He'd already lived a full, dedicated life. But he was willing to keep following the will of God. Look over in Genesis chapter 13, next page, verse 3. Thirteen three. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, Unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Three or four years later now, he's returned to this very same altar to worship God again. And all this travel that he'd gone through throughout the land, he maintained his worship to God. It was continual. It was constant. It was complete. He always worshipped God anywhere or everywhere he was, regardless of the circumstances in his life. He was showing his great devotion to God and acknowledged to anyone and everyone who he would meet that he was living his life for God every day. Today, is that not a beautiful example of what we should see in our lives and people should see in us? In the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, in the early part of the church... Peter and John were called before Annas the high priest because they were preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ. The Sadducees were trying to get them thrown in jail. Peter spoke before the council in, Matthew, in Acts chapter 4 verse number 13. When they saw the council, they saw the boldness of Peter. And they took knowledge of them, Peter and John, that they had been with Jesus. They were not ashamed to say, Jesus is the Son of God. I am devoting my life to Him. As we see people daily in our lives, in the community, in the family, in the school, on our jobs. Do people see that we have been with Jesus in our lives? Sometimes we sing that song, let the beauty of Jesus be seen by the side of church Christ. No, it says right here in me. Whenever and wherever I go throughout the world, I'm a member of the body of Christ. I want the world to see Christ in me. My way of living, my way of doing things. They see the things I say and the things I don't say, the things I will do and the things I will not do. They see my action toward others, they see my devotion to my family, to my congregation. You know, in each one of our lives, as we evaluate ourselves from time to time, are we showing the world that our faith is devoted to doing the will of God in our lives? Sometimes we sing that song, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. That means set apart for special service, doesn't it? My life. If I want to live like the world, I can do that very easily. But I will be a failure. Because, you see, I sing another song that says, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are not laid up in First Tennessee Bank. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. There will be a day when First Tennessee Bank doesn't exist or your bank doesn't exist. That this world will not exist. But heaven still will. And I want to devote my life now to living that way so that eternally I can live with God. Number three in our lesson this morning. Abraham was a friend of God because of his peace. P-E-A-C-E. Again, go back maybe, to the Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, beginning now in verse number 5. They've reached that great land. but They came across a problem. Verse number 5. Lot, his nephew, also went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. Too many folks and animals for this amount of property here. For the substance was great. So they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite also dwelled in that that land. And Abram said to Lot, Okay, Lot, I'm your uncle. God gave me this command. I choose that over there. Does your Bible read that way? Not at all, does it? Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. If is not the whole land before us, separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Lot, you choose what you want, and I'll take the leftovers. That's unselfish, isn't it? That's a man who is at peace with God and therefore can be at peace with himself. You see, until I get to be at peace with God and at peace with myself, I'll always be selfish. I'll always want to choose first whatever it is. And I want my way to be the right way. And the vast majority of the time, that will end up being the wrong way. But when I devote myself to living like Abraham did, I want peace at any and all cost. Whatever I can do to promote peace, that will I do. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in the last hours before His trial, betrayal, trial, and crucifixion? Praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke chapter 22, verse number 42. Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. The verse doesn't stop there, does it? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus knew from eternity that he would come to man, to this world and live as a man and have to suffer that horrible death on Calvary's cross. But when it was facing him squarely in the face, the human being didn't want to do it. And yet, because he was at peace with God, he said, God, I want your will done in my life. Put a period there and not a question mark. Oh, that you and I could have that kind of faith in our lives today. How wonderful it is that he could be at peace. And Jesus reminds us, the New Testament reminds us that we should be at Peace. In the very first paragraph of his first sermon, Sermon on the Mount, we call it Matthew chapter five, verse number nine. He said, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God." Paul says in Romans chapter twelve, verse number nine, "Live peaceably at all, with all men." And in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse eleven, he says, "Live at peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you." You see the beautiful opportunity we have of living at peace and promoting God's life and word to the world. We are members of Christ's holy church. Let us as individuals and a congregation demonstrate our peace in this congregation. You know, sometimes it's easy to get nitpicky, isn't it? Well, so-and-so did this, and -and so-and-so should have done this, and they should have done it this way. I wish they'd done it this way. like, like this better, and on and on we go. As we look and deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and this congregation is a wonderful, peaceful congregation, I'm so thankful for that. Let us look to not be nitpickers and finding fault. Rather, let's look for opportunities to encourage and love and strengthen and motivate each other more. How can I give you help? How can I give you strength? How can you give me peace? How can you give those things to me? And you see, it's just like that. I've mentioned it several times before, the daily vitamin you take every day. You continue giving strength to the body. And so, what you have in this congregation, thank goodness for that. And so, I repeat again. Let us continue to look at one another with peace and help and strength. Remembering that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall stand guard over your lives in Christ Jesus. And lastly, this morning, Jesus was a friend of, because Jesus was a friend of God because of his faith, devotion, and peace. I can be a friend of God because of my faith, devotion, and peace. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You know the verse already, I'm sure. Jesus said, Ye are my friends. You want to be a friend of God? If ye do whatsoever, I command you. Was there a word in there that you did not understand? And I don't mean to be mean or cruel. No, we all understand all those words very simply, don't we? If I want to be a friend of God, I will do what God wants me to do. Let's think about this for a moment. Jesus lay down His life for His friends? Am I willing to lay down my life for my friends? And I've mentioned to you many times before, there are nine or ten people in this world that I would gladly give my life for in a minute. My family. But to go beyond that, it would be a stretch, wouldn't it? But we're not talking about giving our physical life shedding our blood for someone. We're talking about giving our lives to God one day at a time. I don't know what tomorrow will bring you. I don't know what tomorrow will bring me. But I know that if Jesus were walking beside me, He would do the right thing. And I want to walk in His footsteps, following His faith. I want to be a friend of God. Therefore, whatever the situation may arise, I want to be able to walk away from it saying, I did the will of God. Now, as we stand to sing the song of invitation, again, Jesus laid down His life for everyone who would obey Him. Why would anyone not want to be His friend and be saved? Therefore, One who wants to be saved will do what the Lord had to say, wouldn't he? Jesus said, you must hear the word of God in order to be saved. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He said, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus himself said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The Lord's plan is simple and easy. The only requirement is your faith. Maybe today you're not yet a Christian. You want to be saved. Are you willing to obey the will of God by doing those things that Jesus said? Maybe you're ready to do those right now. Or maybe as a child of God, you've wandered away. You've committed sin in your life. You need to repent of that sin. Pray to be forgiven. We'd be happy to help you do it in doing that. If we may assist you in those things, let it be known by coming to the front of us together. We stand and sing the song.